not implied violence at not following her directives, there would be actual violence. Hello and welcome to the Afterspark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Alz. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 34, City of Steel. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Sure. Get ready for a very eventful episode today, folks! We open at a very 80s-era New York City skyline. Now with 90% more flying burp. Laserbeak, um... Enters a manhole and flies down into the sewers. Cowabunga, dude! (laughs) None of this makes sense. I mean, where did all of this water come from? It's like a river down here. And then there's just this ladder between two pipes that appears to serve utterly no purpose. Like, I don't- I I want to say there, like, wasn't a way to get up to that pipe. Like, there was just a ladder between two pipes that you didn't look like you could get to or something. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look like it- reaches anything it's just there's random ladder yes and then we're suddenly in an abandoned and quite frankly devastated subway for some reason new york is weird i guess laserbeak shoots laser beams at a door to make it open this does not damage the door in any way and shouldn't the decepticons have a better way of opening doors than shooting at them i mean they have several people who don't have hands yeah yeah. I, I mean, just, just the cassettes alone, you know? I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what if, what if, like, Shockwave is holding something in his one hand? Right! He's got a gun for the other one. I mean, I guess that, I guess that, that's an argument for shorting to op- shooting to open doors, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, but, uh, I mean, like, I'm just saying, motion sensitive, something that senses Decepticon badge, either of those seem like perfectly reasonable options. I mean, heck, maybe the shooting it was just a way of transmitting a code to open the door, I don't know. <laughs> they really could have shown that in a different way, but, but fair. Uh, Laserbeak enters Soundwave's chest, and elsewhere the Constructicons argue amongst themselves. And lo, a very off-model Megatron appears. It will look off-model for this entire episode, and it will drive me nuts. So, uh, just ignore me. It's gonna keep coming up. I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Megatron admonishes the Constructicons for arguing, and Soundwave reports that there is absolutely no nearby Autobot activity. Megatron then laughs maniacally, saying, Soon New York City will be all mine! While waving his arms in the air like he just don't care. Um, everybody dance now? Everybody party! (laughs) And due to the Constructicon activity down below, we then see that the entire Empire State Building sinks into the Earth. Who knew there were just large holes under New York City? If I were a New Yorker, I'd be extremely concerned about this. Either that, or maybe the Constructicons just have been really, really busy. Both could be true. <laughs> God, sinkholes would be terrifying, though. <laughs> in a city, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's why normally you don't have cities built in places where sinkholes are as common, but at the same time, they still are built in cities. Or yeah, well, cities I mean, the are... thing is, it's not like people could really tell at that point, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, not unless it had, like, a history of happening. Giants! Paris. That's why, that's why the, the catacombs exist. Like, there had been all of this mining that had happened under Paris, and so it was leaving these, like, essentially 
very places that could crumble, you know, fall in. And so they had mm-hmm. to do something to get structure down there. And that is a partial reason why the catacombs exist in Paris. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah, sorry, on that historical tangent on the too many documentaries Owls has watched in the past couple of months. <laughs> sorry! <laughs> uh, at the Ark, the Autobots watched the news about the sinking Empire State Building. And Optimus correctly intuits that this has to be Megatron's doing. And all the Autobots roll out to head towards New York City. It's time for another cross-country road trip! Courtesy of Prowl. We have to assume. As they're leaving, Optimus radios Sparkplug to tell them to have Wheeljack meet them in Central Park, but in the shot where, like, Sparkplug is receiving this message, he doesn't move at all, doesn't say anything, and it's just a very weird shot because it's like, this is not an alive person. <laughs> they were saving money. Yes. Then, in New York, we see Sideswipe, Sunstreaker, Wheeljack, Mirage, and Hound entering the city by way of water skis when they spy Laserbeak. Ah, oh, water skis. The time-tested and honorable method of travel over water. I think what kills me is, like, to my knowledge, we don't even have, like, toys that have water skis on them, so it seems so strange that they keep coming up. It's a goofy show from the 80s about giant robots. Of course they're going to bring up water skis. <laughs> you're right, you're right. Whatever was I thinking. <laughs> it was the hip thing, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, geez, how did, if they're road trips to New York City, like where, where were these other group that they're water skiing to, to New York? Yes. And where did they start out from? (laughs) Florida. They were on the beach, man. Sunstreaker (laughs) wanted to have a good time. (sighs) Yeah. Found some, found some people who were willing to have hot car washes. (laughs) I don't know if the, if the robots would be entertained by that, but. Probably I mean, not, but it is a funny thought. Yeah, especially since at least three of them are supercars. I mean, yeah, a lot of them are like that, where they're like very expensive cars. There's knockouts like that too. It's like, an, yeah, it's just absurd. Sorry. Tangent. Yeah. I'm good at tangents today. We're both good at tangents. <laughs> then, in a two second interlude, we see Optimus, Bumblebee, Ratchet, Ironhide, and Blue Streak reach New York via highway before we cut back to the underground Decepticon lair. Where they appear to be refurbishing the Empire State Building. The entire thing. Oh god, um, there are probably people in there who probably <laughs> wish they'd stopped drinking. Probably <laughs> everyone was on their lunch break, maybe? Hopefully. <laughs> Either that or they're just... I don't know, they're not having a good time, probably. <laughs> I can't imagine why they would. I mean, this begs the question, is the electricity so connected? Do they still have water? Like, I don't know how the Constructicons would have managed that, but but I'm just saying, like, you know, a specific kind of person, if they still had working electricity, phone lines, fax lines, whatever, might just keep working. I'm not sure that they would, considering that I don't think those wires have a whole lot of... Uh give to them. Allow me to put it this way. They probably shouldn't, but I also know what kind of show I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Laserbeak warns Megatron that the Autobots have arrived. He's so off-model, he's so off-model, he's so off-model. <laughs> yeah. It, it is your trial and tribulation, Owls, for watching this episode. Apparently, this episode just wants to hurt me. Anyway, the Autobots are met by Soundwave and his cassettes as they arrive at Central Park. Rumble and Soundwave each finish each other's sentences for a little bit. 
Okay, well, possibly Frenzy says something in the middle, too. It shows him on the screen, but his mouth isn't moving. And so help me God, even I can't tell Rumble and Frenzy's voices apart. It doesn't help that they're also both voiced by Welker. This is just one person saying a sentence in two to three silly voices, isn't it? Yep. God, it reminds me of the thing that I just saw today about... Apparently there's an episode of Batman where basically all of the characters are voiced by Mark Hamill. <laughs> Mark Hamill is to Batman what Frank Welker is to Transformers. That sounds right, actually. And like there were I think I think there were a lot more like other voice actors that did a bunch of voices in Transformers than in Batman, but still it's a funny thought. Yeah. But it was I think the plot of that episode was Mark Hamill gets kidnapped. Oh like yeah, the voice actor Mark Hamill, and then... yeah. You know, the Joker comes up with surprising frequency on our podcast. I just want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Rumble and Frenzy then use their pile drivers to pound the ground for a bit, and Ironhide just kind of keels over. Ironhide just decided he was done for the day. While all the animation in this episode is just terrible, wow, that fall is in a special place. <laughs> Yeah. Scavenger consents Optimi as he digs under Optimus from below. But not before Optimus chucks Soundwave across the park. And how does this even work? Prime doesn't fall onto Scavenger. He falls like 40 stories and lands on his back in Long Haul's trailer. And to, um, like, illustrate the scene, Scavenger was, like, up on some sort of thing or whatever so that he could dig up to where Prime was, and then suddenly when Prime falls down, Scavenger's not there, the thing he's on isn't there, but Long Haul and his trailer are significantly further down. Yeah, like he just falls 40 feet, or 40 stories, it's fine. Then Megatron walks over, zaps Optimus with some kind of device, and severs his motor relays. So he zaps Optimus's abs with a strangely dildo-y shaped object, and now Prime can't move? Well, technically, I think he calls it suspended animation, but pretty much, yes. Just checking. Okay. (laughs) Then Megatron flies up through the hole made by Scavenger and threatens to kill Optimus if the Autobots don't leave. Then the Decepticons raise the brand new, refurbished, and updated Empire State Building back to ground level, and Megatron proclaims he is the leader of New Cybertron. I mean, at least that's a better name than last time he named something. Although, I, I have to give him credit, his fantastic threat to Optimus Prime to melt him down into paper clips. Yeah, I mean, that is honestly kind of ignoble for Optimus <laughs> to be turned into, you know, office supplies. And honestly, I want to know how, well, how Megatron knows what a paper clip is. <laughs> oh my god, do Cybertrons have paper clips? I mean, I... <laughs> they don't even use paper most of the time. I don't think they have trees. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's also true. And paper would be very flimsy for them unless it was some sort of... Unless they had an equivalent. I'm just saying, who took Megatron to an office supply store? This is what I want to know. Why? He obviously learned this when he learned what a guinea pig was. <laughs> yeah! And so, after this threat, um, New York City is being evacuated by both the Autobots and the humans. How nice of the Decepticons to let them all orderly evacuate. But then Spike has an idea, and all the Autobots exit the highway. 
that was an extremely convenient exit, and I have to wonder who Megatron is going to rule in his city of New Cybertron. It's just the Decepticons. It's a bigger base. But what was even funnier about that exit is they were totally on a bridge. So, like, that, that was a very convenient exit. Yep. And and now, back to, you know, underground, Megatron is standing between Optimus's legs on Long Haul's truck bed with his fusion cannon aimed <clears throat> downwards, talking about his conquest. Yeah, that's not awkward at all. That's not awkward at all. I'm also not exaggerating. You're not. <laughs> Uh, Megatron then orders Hook to disassemble Prime. Which Hook then begins by pulling out a lightsaber. A purple one <laughs> to, you know, keep it Decepticon themed. Of course. Later, Longhaul dumps all the Optimus Prime parts in front of Megatron's feet. <sighs> Megatron then picks up Optimus's head to gloat, which obviously he can't do if Prime is conscious, so he runs power through the head. And this is just making... This is like the one of the few things from the that's consistent with the comics. Ironically, yes. Also, I think we meant unconscious. We used the wrong word. He should have been unconscious. <laughs> or he, he can't do if Prime is unconscious, so let's run with that. <laughs> uh, for some reason, Optimus can control his limbs while his head is active, so he has his dismembered forearms grab Megatron's legs and trip him. Optimus has the weirdest-ass powers that he right? can just pull out of nowhere. Right? And then Megs gets back up, tells the Constructicons they can do whatever the hell they want with the rest of Optimus's body, but he's keeping the head. Presumably so we can put it on the metaphorical mantle. I mean, god, this is basically the exact same thing that, well, actually, I think it was Shockwave in the comics. because I know Shockwave but his head was definitely point. <laughs> yeah. His head was definitely separated from his body. Elsewhere, yeah. Spike is uh, waist deep in some water. Next to a ship... He directs the Autobots into what looks like an open sewer drain, and we discover that he's actually sitting on Bumblebee's head in the water. So Bee's got those little horns on his head. It seems like it would not be so comfortable on the good old keister. Yeah. But apparently, apparently Spike's okay with it. I mean, if he'd actually been drawn small enough that he could fit between the horns, I don't think it would be so bad, but it definitely <laughs> looks like he's sitting on the horns. Right, like, that doesn't look comfortable. So then, yeah. Spike, B, Ratchet, Mirage, and Hound enter the sewer to go save Optimus. I'm gonna call them Team Health Hazard, considering Spike was sitting in water that appears to be very near a sewer exit. Or, if it's not a sewer exit, some sort of storm drain exit. And, I mean, that's still not gonna be great for his health. Yeah. Mirage scouts ahead of the group, turning invisible, leaving Hound to track him with his scanners as the rest of the group follows. Scrapper is congratulating himself on the Constructicons using Optimus' remains um, extremely creatively as he touts um, off one of Prime's arms holding Prime's blaster. They drive up, and then we go back to Team Health Hazard. Ratchet complains about feeling like they're in a swamp. How is there foliage down there? Through the magic of cartoons. Considering the type of show this is, yes. Hound says he's now picking up Optimus' signal from behind them, and then Mirage reappears and points out the giant red, blue, and white alligator that is charging towards them. With an Autobot logo clearly visible on its leg. That they don't notice. The Autobots are not very good at, uh... Noticing things. Very yeah. obvious things. Yeah. They walk slowly away as Mirage covers them. 
Hound expresses his confusion as to why his sensors are picking up Optimus. Oh, come on, guys! The suspiciously colored alligator clearly has nothing to do with it, right? Right, right, right! right. Obviously not! That would be too obvious! Um, B and Spike lead the alligator into an old subway train, and then the others send it down the track. Somehow this train still has power. Back topside, Mixmaster has just shits girders, like, in vehicle mode, when Skywarp shoves a car into his mixing tank. Mixmaster is a very good chemist. Very good. (laughs) Obviously. Starscream compliments Megatron for once, though obviously not to his face. He likes what he's done with the place, or the city, at least. Yep. In the Decepticon base, Team Health Hazard finds Optimus's head. We get introduced to yet another random unit of measure, mechanometers. We did not need another one. No, we didn't, but we got another one anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You see what you did, Transformers? See what you did? You like, oh god, is it 40 years old? You like 30-something-year-old show, you broke specs. I think it's like 35 years old, considering that I think uh, Mount St. Helens was in 1980. Hmm. Yeah. Um... Ratchet runs power to Prime's head, and Prime uses his telepathy to bring his legs to them. I just want to know what his legs were even, like, what were they a part of? Did they just shove them in a closet? I'm, especially considering what they did with the rest of him. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Optimus Prime, oh god, maybe Megatron wanted his legs used as, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't know. know. <laughs> but well, I was th- thinking, like, Parts of a chair or something. (laughs) Yeah, that seems dumb enough to be a thing. Of course, this is when they realize that Alligator was made out of prime parts. And it has a name, the Alligator Con. Of course. And next, Hound, Mirage, and Ratchet are wrestling with the Alligator, while Bee and Spike stand off to the side next to Prime's huge freaking legs, while primly holding Optimus's head. Wait, so this mean they carried the legs down here or did Prime move them with telepathy like the entire time? I mean, it's anyone's guess. I guess. (laughs) They're so big (laughs) compared to everybody else. And then Prime is apparently able to subdue the beast with yet more mind waves. Ratchet is able to mostly reassemble him, except for the arm we saw Scrapper carting off earlier. I mean, there were still parts left over, so what? Red and blue parts, even. They do not look like they were just random parts the Decepticon should have had lying around. Well, unless it was left over from one of Megatron's, um, toys? Oh god, no. (laughs) Uh I'm not going there. Goodbye! Goodbye! Good night, everybody! (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Optimus gives Mirage a side hug with his one arm and tells him to radio the others. Because Megatron is in for a shock. Topside, we see Blue Streak, Wheeljack, Sunstreaker, Ironhide are walking around in the streets. I'm calling this team Hot to Trot since, you know, they're out and about. We've got Hot to Trot and Team Health Hazard, for those of you following at home. <laughs> and they see Prime's missing arm. It is attached to a building, acting as some sort of sentry gun. <laughs> in Decepticon HQ, Megatron is very unhappy about losing his toy as he spies Team Health Hazard in the monitor, you know, walking with Prime. And then Prime's arm shoots into the screaming Autobots below. Soundwave just calmly mashes what we have to assume is the fire button, like, repeatedly. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god, someone's just using... 
using Optimus Prime's arm as a video game. Yes. <laughs> it's the most lifelike video game. <gasps> and honestly, the Autobots seem like they're more afraid of the arm than the alligator as they actually run away from the arm. Yes. Uh, we see Jazz in a shot for a second. Hound and Blue Streak fall into a hole where Rumble appears driving a subway train. Before suddenly turning into Frenzy. I mean, like, his color changes between shots. Yeah, I mean, whichever cassette this is, he looks like he's having a very good time. Well, he is until Blue Streak and Hound explode the front of the train, and that apparently stops all momentum and they are saved. (sighs) What are physics to a children's TV show episode? In the 80s. (laughs) Yeah. B, Sideswipe, and Sunstreaker are driving around uh, before being suddenly attacked by taxis. These Decepticabs appear to be the Constructicons' handiwork. B, Sideswipe, and Sunstreaker gracefully leap over them in vehicle mode before Prime mows the taxis over while in his own vehicle mode, and then he takes out three Constructicons in their little firing stations for good measure. Optimus arrives back in front of the Empire State Building and says, It's time to lend him a hand and an arm as well. Oh, Optimus, you and your dad jokes. Prime and Ironhide scale the building to retrieve Optimus's arm. Along with Ratchet, but I think what more of note here is Ironhide's got a grappling hook too? Megatron orders an airstrike by the Seekers. The Seekers are damaged, and Starstream calls the other two cowards before Sideswipe jumps into the air with no visible sign of his jetpack, and grapples Starscream while Starscream is in jet mode. This sounds like it's, um... Jet Judo on... Steroids. (laughs) Yes, I couldn't remember the word. And then Starscream ends up diving into the river as Sideswipe just flies off perfectly fine. Well, I guess he had that um, (laughs) jetpack. That invisible (laughs) jetpack. Yeah. The Constructicons form Devastator and they attempt to step on Wheeljack before climbing up the uh, refurbished Empire State Building after the Autobots. B and Spike infiltrate the control room where Soundwave and Megatron are. Ah, they like to live dangerously. (laughs) Very dangerously, considering they keep throwing Spike, or Spike throws himself, into these situations. Yeah. Soundwave stands up and begins shouting, Intruders! Megatron says they are doomed! But is he going to take the uh, steps to make sure that they're doomed? And I don't think he does. (laughs) I think he tries. (laughs) No... Yeah, I mean, Spike insults him, and then Megatron says something to the effect of, You dare insult me in my own command post! You come into my house, and... (laughs) I did not go out to have a good time. I specifically stayed in, and I'm feeling so attacked right now. (laughs) And then Spike and B, like, run around the room and maneuver Megatron into shooting the command console, which deactivates Prime's arm. Yeah... And then Soundwave, in order to, you know, deal with this, sends the burbs after Spike and Bumblebee, presumably so he can attempt to, I don't know, do damage control on the count on the console. <laughs> Outside, Devastator grabs Prime, you know, like King Kong, and whacks Ratchet and Ironhide into the tower. Wheeljack even starts talking about King Kong before sending in some remote-controlled helicopters. <laughs> oh, like, after Devastator. <laughs> I think Wheeljack just decided he was going to have fun with this. I mean, that's fair. I mean, did he just jury-rig the helicopters, or did he go and did he have them already prepared? I mean, really? In some way. It's up in the air. Which one? Yeah. 
Ironhide and Ratchet, meanwhile, shoot the floor out from beneath Soundwave and Megatron because they're, I guess, a floor above. And so Soundwave and Megatron end up falling past them and into another hole or er, through a hole in the floor. Or, or they make a hole in the floor, but it is so goofy looking. It's amazing. We definitely have a gift. We get to reblog. It's going to be great. <laughs> yes. Yes. They just, Ironhide and Ratchet look so pleased with themselves. I think they do a little handshake or maybe a thumbs up. <laughs> Something like that. All I can say is, quite frankly, that off-model Megatron, get, he deserves to be in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so Devastator is climbing up to the top of the tower and then Prime uses his mind powers to shoot to supercharge his gun and shoot him. Devastator falls, disassembling into the individual Constructicons as they flee. I actually just want to ask how Optimus Prime managed to supercharge his gun when it's been his limbs that he's been controlling. I but have no that's, idea. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Because while the Constructicons flee, so do Soundwave and Megatron. They follow close behind them. After the battle, Ratchet reattaches Prime's arm. He probably feels pretty good about that, because Optimus says, just as it always was, while squeaking horribly. <laughs> and my biggest takeaway from this episode is that this really seems like a two-parter that they crammed all into one episode, because I kid you not, like, the entire Megatron taking over New York part, like, happens in, like, under five minutes. And I really feel like probably it should have been two parts and the end of the first part would have been right after Optimus got kidnapped. But but no, no, it's just like this everything happening in five minutes and then a relatively normally paced episode after that was weird. <laughs> anyway, yeah. join us next time for episode 35, Desertion of the Dinobots, part one. And then Specs has some fanfics for today. Yeah, we have some fanfic wrecks. The first is... The Return of the Revenge of the Son of the City of Steel by Wayward Insecticon, and it is actually a script format parody of this episode, and I thought it was just very fitting for it. Like, it's funny, very. it's silly. <laughs> it is. It is. It's based on the G1 cartoon, it's rated T, it's Gen, there's no pairings, and it's a G1 cast. And... In summary, it's script format. What happens when the dreadful episode City of Steel goes north? You get this thing. <laughs> and it's a City of Steel parody, and it's a one-shot. And the second fic is Five Hangovers and a Trumpet by Koi Lungfish. Also a G1 cartoon-based fic. It's rated T, Jen, Nun, and the characters are the Constructicons. And in summary, the aftermath of a Constructicon party can be a messy place. And character theme here is the Constructicons, considering that the Constructicons were such a big part of... Everything the... here? <laughs> yes, yes, the plan to refurbish New York. And refurbish Optimus Prime while they were at it. Yep. Also a one-shot. This one sounds like so much fun. Like, that title alone just sounds glorious. Five hangovers and a trumpet. <laughs> mm -hmm. it's it's fun it's one that i remember reading like back when it was first published and just it's fun it sounds fun i can't wait to read this one myself and that about wraps it up for us today remember to check us out on tumblr or pillowfort as afterspark-podcast for any additional information show notes or links we may have mentioned 
You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr or YouTube or AO3. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Els. Toodles.